Hi everyone, this is Wesley Town. Thanks for joining me today. Welcome to Better Days Season 2. Today is a Q&A podcast episode. These Q&A episodes are based around questions that you send in to me. Feel free to send me a question anytime as you're listening to these episodes. Questions around mental health or suffering. And I would love to answer one of your questions in a Q&A episode. You can send those questions to me via DMing me on Instagram at Better Days Podcast, or you can email me at hello at wesleytown.com. And I would love to answer one of your questions. Let's dive right into the first question. Addressing feelings of unhealthy guilt or feelings we take on that aren't rational. Somebody asked me about that. This is such a great question. So many people struggle with guilt. It's a normal human feeling. Guilt is a sense of internal remorse for doing something wrong or something we perceived we did wrong. Sometimes the guilt that we feel is not real. In other words, we are creating a scenario of what a person's feeling or how you came off or what we may have done that's not real. It's irrational. So we've got to be able to decipher between real guilt and perceived guilt. Guilt is often related to the past, past choices, past mistakes, past failures, past imperfections. And so with these things, we feel a sense of wrongdoing internally, and we feel burdened in our soul. So what do we do about that? Something I learned in a counseling class in graduate school is this. If we are preoccupied with the past, we will be paralyzed in the present. For me, that's a brilliant concept. So many of us, we live in the past, and therefore, we're paralyzed in the present. No one living life wants to be paralyzed in their present because of guilt. So here's a few thoughts for you to consider. First, we are all imperfect. There is no human being on this earth that lives a flawless life. There's no human being that shoots 100% and scores every single one in the basket. We have all failed and done wrong. And so I think sometimes, especially for us perfectionists, which I would be in that category, I have this perfectionist um, tendencies in me. Sometimes we're really hard on ourselves, relational situations, failures, perceived failures, because we have this idea that we're supposed to be perfect, that the world is supposed to see us as flawless and perfect. But that's not true. I am not perfect. I have failed and done wrong. And every person close to me would agree with that. Some of you are listening. You're like, yes, he is imperfect. And that's okay. All of us need to realize that perfect is not reality. Reality is imperfection. Uh, Never failing and never doing wrong, that's not reality. Failing and doing wrong, that is reality. And when you're thinking about that concept, it just brings you into the real nature of being human. Another element of understanding how to process through our guilt and maybe some of it being rational or irrational is this. We cannot change our past. So the choices we made in the past, 
the wrongdoing we've done in the past, the imperfections we've had, the mistakes that we've made, we can't change that. I can't change in middle school when I decided to cut up all my homework after I graduated from seventh grade with my friends and place all those little cut pieces in my friend's front yard, their parents wake up the next morning, look at their yard filled with little tiny pieces of paper, call the police because we forgot to cut our name small enough and get a phone call from the police that I need to go up to the yard and pick all the pieces up. I can't change that, right? We cannot change our past, but we can choose our present and future. So we can choose what we do today. We can choose what we do moving forward. And that's a healthy perspective. God does not define us by our imperfections or past failures. I want to encourage you with that. God never defines you and I like that. He never holds our imperfections or past failures over our head. In fact, Forgiveness from God is not a theoretical concept to believe. Some of us, we live in that state where, yes, we believe the concept that God forgives people and that God could even forgive us. We believe that concept, but it's not a theoretical concept to believe. It's a reality for you to personally receive. So when you're processing through guilt, you can't just believe that God forgives. You need to receive God's forgiveness. To believe um, the concept of forgiveness is great, but it really doesn't do anything for you personally. But to truly believe that God has forgiven you, that sets you free from the guilt that you're feeling. And when God looks at our life and he looks at all of our imperfections, all of our weaknesses, all the mistakes we've made, all the failures that we've uh, made in our life, God's desire for you and I is to redeem our life and rewrite our story. So moving forward, my encouragement to you is to focus on that. Not your past mistakes, not your past failures, but the fact that God is giving you a brand new life and he is rewriting your story alongside of you as you make good decisions, as you choose his pathways for your future. So when irrational feelings surface, that's a pertinent part of this question. Make sure to filter those feelings. And I gave you some filters. Ask yourself, are these feelings true? Have I dealt with this already? Do I need to allow this feeling to progress in my heart, in my soul? Has God already forgiven me? Why would I need to rehash this again, etc.? You ask yourself good questions. These are filters to those feelings of guilt. And the above points, how we're imperfect, we've all failed, we can't change our past, we can choose our present and future, God does not define us by our imperfections and past failures, forgiveness from God is a reality for you to receive, and God is redeeming your life and writing, rewriting your story, those are filters to process through when you're feeling guilt. All feelings need a grid. It's important to understand. All feelings are real. Some feelings are good and healthy, and some feelings are unhealthy. So all feelings need a grid. I hope this answer to your question is helpful and also hopeful. And many of us experience this, so I hope that these filters are helpful for you to process through when you are dealing with guilt and the burden of guilt. 
The next question, somebody wrote, would love to hear your thoughts on giving your anxiety slash fear about a family relationship to God while still maintaining boundaries with that person. I really appreciate this question. And I know that any context like this has a lot of layers um, and a lot of narrative. So it's hard to perfectly answer this question, not knowing all the layers and relational uh, connections to uh, help build out the story of this question, but I'm going to try my best. Let me begin by saying that some relationships are easier than others. And you're like, yeah, Wesley, that's obvious. But I think that's important to know that there's going to be certain relationships in our life that are a little more challenging than others. In addition, some relationships carry more hurt than others. Unresolved hurt and pain in relationships, that's challenging to deal with. Your relationship situation sounds like there's ongoing challenges, maybe ongoing hurt, ongoing pain, trauma, something uh, that is in that type of relational context. So let me begin by giving you some general thoughts on challenging family relationships. When I think about family relationships that are toxic or for some reason remain in a cycle of unresolved conflict or hurt, I usually have some important truths from scripture, from the Bible that I process through. So I just want to read you these verses and some of these truths that uh, I process through personally. The first one is in Romans chapter 12, verse 18. It says this, if possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. This leads me to realize that sometimes it's possible to live peaceably with people, and sometimes it's not possible to live peaceably with people. Another verse that's a part of this grid that I go through is in Ephesians 4, verse 31. It says, Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Malice is bad heartedness. Be kind to one another, tender hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. So this leads me to a few truths that also are important. It's really important for you to protect your own heart and emotions from bitterness and unresolved anger. Sometimes when we're hurt and we've been wronged, it's easy to dwell on those things and to allow them to fester, grow uh, in our soul so that we become bitter and we have this unresolved anger. That's not healthy for you. Forgiveness is healthy for all of our souls. It protects our heart from being controlled by another person's wrongdoing. If we're in a state of unresolved bitterness and anger, our heart is being controlled by that person's wrongdoing toward us, against us. So forgiveness sets our heart free, and it also reflects the heart of Jesus toward us, how he's forgiven all of our sin. So we need to protect our own heart and emotions and reflect the reality of Christ toward people. The third verse that I think is helpful when we're talking about boundaries and relationships and challenging, maybe toxic relationships is this, Proverbs 22, verse 24 Make no friendship with a man given to anger, nor go with a wrathful man, 
lest you learn his ways and entangle yourself in a snare. I love this verse because it clearly teaches that some people are toxic, maybe abusive, and some people can constantly inflict traumatic pain on our life, relational pain. So God clearly offers wisdom in some relational situations to have boundaries. Because the people that are around us the most, they end up influencing our life, right? And that could be in in a toxic, traumatic influence on our heart, on our emotions, um, that has a profound fact uh, effect on how we live and the health of our own soul. So it seems clear to me, just by this verse, but there's many others, that God sometimes gives us wisdom to have boundaries in certain relationships. Now, here's the problem, though. Sometimes in Christianity, we have these major concepts like forgiveness, and we think that a concept like boundaries is wrong. That is far from the case. Forgiveness is something that one person chooses at times, despite another person's wrongdoing or choice to wrong another person. So I can choose to forgive somebody even though that person is wronging me, or even that person, though that person is presently inflicting pain on my heart or my life. So you can forgive and still guard yourself from further conflict with someone who refuses to change or refuses to own up to their own actions. This protects your own soul while also giving you freedom to have some boundaries in this toxic cycle. Let me also, so those were some general concepts. Let me also give you some specific thoughts about anxiety and fear in this type of relationship uh, with the context of God and boundaries. Giving your fears and anxieties to God may simply look like praying when you feel those emotions uh, kind of welling up in you or filtering your thoughts so that you don't allow the fear and anxiety to overtake you when those feelings come up in your soul. Also, dealing with that fear, anxiety, giving things up to God and having boundaries, I want you to know that boundaries are healthy in some relationships. Don't feel guilty or stressed for creating boundaries. The heart of all relational conflict is reconciliation. But sometimes that is not possible, as I referred to in that verse in Romans. And sometimes the violation is such that relational interaction is no longer healthy or safe. It's hard to answer what you should do about the anxiety and fear about this relationship, not knowing all the details, but I hope these concepts are helpful or freeing or encouraging for you as you're dealing with this and and thinking through this. Sometimes anxiety and fear is positive and can protect us. So maybe some of that anxiety and fear is just being alert. When we face a situation that could potentially be dangerous or harmful for us, we uh, our fight or flight system kicks in. This allows us to be alert and engaged to protect ourselves from harm. Uh, the problem, problem occurs when we remain in that state beyond an isolated experience. So I think you just have to protect yourself and be alert and aware um, of your anxiety and fear. Is it protecting you or... Uh, Are you ruminating on this over and over again? Um, So gain some filters, talk to God about it, 
um, work through your own stresses, your own burdens of maybe feeling guilty about having boundaries and pr protect your heart. I hope this was helpful. Um, I wish I could help you on a more one-on-one -on -one basis, uh, but I think all of these concepts are definitely helpful. And, and just one more thought, because some of you may be in this type of situation. Um, if you don't feel safe around an individual and or there is too much trauma, maybe staying away for some time until things are resolved or staying away for good, if it is harmful, is the best decision for you. So I know some of you are in this context and you need to hear these kind of truths. The next question, is it ever okay to get angry? I often hear the term righteous anger, but I'm not sure what that means. I'm so grateful when we ask questions about things, phrases, terminology, sayings that become commonplace, but we still haven't identified a clear definition. There's a verse in Exodus 30, 34 verses 6 and 7 that talks about the anger of God, but it frames it in such a beautiful way. It says this, the Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. So when we think of righteous anger, righteous anger is a real concept. It would be God's anger, God's emotion of anger. God does express anger, but much differently than we as humans express it. God's anger is a righteous anger, which means what? It means the object of the anger is toward injustice, evil, and sin. God looks at his creation, which he created perfectly, and we have chosen to go wayward and do things that are wrong as human beings to varying degrees. He looks at that injustice and evil, and he has this holy aversion toward that. But God's anger is not just righteous anger. God's anger is a patient anger. The Bible clearly teaches us that he is slow to anger. And when you think of that, in contrast with human anger, human anger is often much different than God's emotion of anger. Let me give you some truths from Scripture about anger. Proverbs 15, 18 says this, A hot-tempered man stirs up strife but he is slow to anger, quiets contention. Someone with an anger problem is constantly causing strife and division in relationships. And that's in contrast to God's type of anger, which is patient, redemptive, righteous. Another verse, Proverbs 22, verse 24 says, Make no friendship with a man given to anger, nor go with a wrathful man, lest you learn his ways and entangle yourself in a snare. A person given to anger is not a person you want to have influence your life because that will be a negative influence. It could create a lot of stress, trauma, toxicity of emotions in your own soul. Another verse in Ephesians 4 verse 26 says this, Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. Human anger should not be allowed to grow and in in intensity internally. It should be dealt with. That's what this verse teaches. Bitterness and outward expressions of anger always begin with un 
dealt with internal anger. So basically, the idea here is that there is a righteous anger, but it should never lead to unrighteousness or sin. And it should also be resolved quickly, internally, so it doesn't turn out to be bitterness or uh, leading to outward expressions of that anger. One more verse, I think, that helps frame how um, God's anger is much different than human anger. In James chapter 1, verse 19, it says this, Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. This is really good because it, again, contrasts human anger with God's anger. God's anger is slow, always righteous, patient, and redemptive. Human anger is often the exact opposite of the righteous, slow, patient, redemptive anger that God has. So here's an answer to your question specifically. The answer to your question is yes, we can have righteous anger. Anger can be a healthy emotion in the face of evil or injustice when it reflects God's emotion of anger. And it does and pardon me, it does not remain undealt with or turn to bitterness. So that's when it becomes unrighteous anger. It should lead us to justice or to reconciliation or to doing good or to living right in light of somebody else's wrongdoing. That's where some of the words of Jesus come to play, where it says, pray for your enemies. Do good to your enemies. Do good to those who wrong you. This is a beautiful picture of how we can feel wronged and even have the emotion of that's an injustice, that's wrong that you wronged me, but we can still bless and pray and do good to those people who have wronged us. I hope this is helpful. The last question for this Q&A podcast is something that is probably a common question that somebody asked me. Basically, it's this. Is it okay for somebody who follows Jesus to take anti-anxiety medication? What does the Bible say about this or any type of uh, medication when we talk about uh, mental health uh, medication? This is a great question. I was actually at the dentist this morning. And the dentist knew that I speak on mental health and suffering. So she asked me about taking medications when dealing with mental illness. And I thought, wow, that's such an interesting question in a medical office. And uh, there's been a lot written on this. There's been people in the Christian world that have books. Uh, I have a book called Descriptions and Prescriptions, a Biblical Perspective on Psychiatric Diagnosis and Medications from a Christian medical doctor who um, then ended up being a counselor, so medical doctor plus a psychiatrist. And um, his perspective is interesting. He said, we are body-spirit creatures. We should not be surprised that a physical treatment such as medication may be associated with symptomatic and perhaps more substantial change in people's lives. Medication can be an appropriate and even necessary part of someone's care, depending on the specific nature of the person's struggle. We take care to remain balanced in our assessment of the effectiveness of medication. We neither exalt them nor do we disregard them. I thought that was a balanced perspective. But to answer your question is, yes, it's okay for people to take medication for all sorts of medical conditions. If you go to the doctor or if you're in the hospital and have surgery and they give you medication for for pain after surgery or you let's say you have the pneumonia and they give you um, 
antibiotics, uh, you're not going to have a conflict in your soul. Is it okay for me to take that? Uh, of course, because we've been conditioned that, you know, when there's a physical problem, it's okay to take medication. Sometimes we have health problems that relate to uh, mental illness, anxiety, um, sometimes depression. All of that can be related to our biological condition and how we're doing physiologically with our health. And so, um, yes, the answer is yes. Uh, is it wrong for somebody to go to the hospital and take medication pre or post surgery? No. Is it wrong to take medication for anxiety or depression uh, so that you can work through the underlying cause and become healthy? Um, absolutely not. It's not wrong. And I think the heartbeat of what I read, both um, from secular psychology and psychiatry, and then from a biblical perspective, is that when you do take medication, the medication can help you get out of a dark place. Uh, and as you're doing that, if that's prescribed for your specific condition, your long-term goal is to be working with somebody to discover the underlying causes of what um, is behind that depression, behind that anxiety, behind that mental illness, and learning healthy inputs and pathways of filter systems so you can work toward a more healthy um, place and state for your mental health. And so make sure that you know, you're, you're doing that and you're also working um, on, uh, on your mental health and finding out, discovering the underlying causes and learning healthy inputs and pathways and filter systems so you can get to a healthy place. So the answer to your question is, no, it's not wrong. And sometimes it is helpful, not in all cases, but in some cases. I'm not a doctor. I'm not a psychiatrist. So in no way am I prescribing um, or giving you the answer to your specific situation. But I, from a uh, perspective of a Christian follower of Jesus, the Bible, is it okay to take medication? Absolutely. Uh, you have to figure out um, your own uh, thoughts on your condition and taking medication. You have to weigh that out. You also have to uh, do your own research and you have to you know, talk to your medical profession. They're going to have a much better answer. Um, but don't feel guilty if you need to do that. And uh, make sure that you're also getting help. You're working toward discovering the underlying cause and you're learning healthy pathways and inputs and filter systems along the way. So much love for you guys. I know life is hard. We're humans. We have a lot of questions around the difficulties and challenges we experience as human beings on this earth. So I hope these Q&A podcasts are helpful for you as you're walking along the path of being human in this world. Love you guys so much. And again, if you want to send any questions anytime, you can DM me, Wesley Town III, III, pardon me, on Instagram or Better Days Podcast on Instagram. Or you can send me an email at hello at wesleytown.com. So much love for you all. So many prayers for all the people that are struggling and going through really challenging times in life. I hope this is a source of hope and help and education for you. Much love. That's a wrap for today. Thanks again for joining me. This is a new podcast and I would love for your help to spread the word 
to bring hope for better days to as many people as possible. You can send a link to your family and friends, post something on your social media, and write a review on iTunes. Thanks for your support. I can't wait to join with you next Tuesday for another episode of Better Days.